This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Day two of the NHL regular season. Here's what's going on so far. Start of the second period. Lightning up 1-0 on the Panthers. Kucherov with the goal. After the first period, Jets and Rangers in a 1-1 tie. Shifley and Stahl are the goal scorers. Also after the first, Hurricanes leading the Habs 1-0. And Buffalo with a 1-0 edge in Pittsburgh. Coming up later... Wild and Predators, they'll get underway in a couple of minutes. Bruins take on the Stars, the Flames visit the Avalanche, and the Coyotes will meet the Anaheim Ducks. The next game for the 1-0 Edmonton Oilers is Saturday when they host the Los Angeles Kings. Actually, we're going to have live sports for you the next two nights here on 6.30, Chad. Tomorrow we have the Eskimos game, 3.30 countdown to kickoff. Game at 5 with the Eskimos in Hamilton going after their second straight victory after the very, very good... Hamilton Tiger Cats, and then Saturday, 6.30 face-off show, game at 8. The Oilers will take on the Los Angeles Kings. And the uh, happiness, the relief surrounding the Oilers' victory last night uh, immediately dampened today as, uh, well, first of all, we got the announcement that defenseman Adam Larson had been put on long-term injured reserve, and uh, then we found out later broken bone in his fibula, the result of blocking a shot with a minute to go in the third period, uh, first period last night against the Vancouver Canucks. So Adam Larson out six to eight weeks looking ahead at the Oilers' schedule. That will likely mean he will miss somewhere between 20 and 27 games. He's been placed on long-term injured reserve. And the Oilers, now I'm going to explain this in a couple of minutes here because I don't think this is, well, I mean, it's it's what happened, but it's physically not going to happen, if that makes any sense. They have called up Evan Bouchard from the farm and sent Ethan Bear down to the farm. I will think that they will reverse that announcement tomorrow morning when teams uh, put out their roster decisions but but that's what has happened for today so larson out of the lineup out long term and of course the guys he play with he plays with are going to miss him it's obviously really tough and i know how it is <laughs> and missing a lot of games especially in important times and we've been, obviously we've been talking to having a good have a good start for this season and we did we played a played a solid game uh, but we're going to miss him for sure. Um, I have a lot of confidence in, in the decor overall, um, so we're going to figure it out, but we're going to miss him for sure. He's, uh, he's a very important player for us. Anytime you have a player that's willing to do whatever it takes in front of you to, to keep the puck out of the net, I think you, you love those players as a goaltender. I think he's, he's one of those guys that, uh, that is willing to eat a puck to, to keep it out of your net, and that commitment level... Um, is contagious as far as I'm concerned is you see a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to win a hockey game and, and to uh, you know to keep the puck out of the net um, from a defensive standpoint um, you got to love those players as a goalie and 
um, obviously that uh, you know shows great leadership and it wears off on other players around them too. So it shows uh, shows a lot about the person and the player when he's willing to do whatever it takes to win games. All right, so that was Oscar Clefbaum, goaltender Mike Smith, who was very good last night in the victory, commenting on the loss of Adam Larson. So I'll get to this clip here first from Dave Tippett. He was asked, is Evan Bouchard coming in to potentially play? Uh, I don't think so, no. Well, he's, he's going to, it could be a safety valve for us. We're going we're gonna to go through it the rest of the day here and just see where, see where we're at. Really, we've got to find out where Pearson's at, right? If Pearson is, looks like he's going to be able to go Saturday or even go Monday, then we'll, uh, we can make it through. Maybe have to move a lefty over to the right side? Yeah, that's, that's one of the options we'll have to look at. All right, so here's now here's how this works with long-term injured reserve. When you put a player on long-term injured reserve, wherever you are on the salary cap basically becomes the new salary cap. So before teams put a player on LTIR, they want to get as close to the cap as possible. By having Bouchard on the roster... Instead of Bear, the Oilers get to $90,000 under the cap instead of $263,000 under the cap. So you want to get as close to the cap as possible because when you put a player on LTIR, that number basically becomes your new salary cap. So that's why they have, have done it this way, and that's why I think Bear and Bouchard will strictly be a paper transaction. I don't think, I, I doubt Evan Bouchard will actually make the trip to Edmonton. I suppose we'll, we'll see tomorrow, but I, I would think he plays for the Condors this weekend as they open the season, and, uh, and Ethan Bear is ready to go and in the lineup Saturday against the Los Angeles Kings. So that's, that's why they made that transaction. I, I, I mean, they've talked that they want Bouchard on the farm playing as many games as possible. So that's uh, briefly, without getting into the, all the legalese of it, kind of how LTIR works. So, so Larson's, bef- whatever they were at before they put Larson on LTIR, becomes the new salary cap so larson's now four plus million is available but but more of it is available than would have been uh had they left bear on the roster so that's how that works you can text 63630 our phone number 780-496-0063 my name is reed wilkins it's inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 630 chat so now we're going to see what happens with joel pearson he's been out since about halfway through the preseason with a shoulder injury, Tippett was asked if he might be able to play Saturday. Uh, questionable. I think he's ready. Uh, he got cleared for uh, practice and contact, but we'll, he'll have to go through a practice Friday to see where he's at. All right. So maybe Pearson plays. If not, they could probably do this. Stick with Clefbaum and Bear move Russell over to the right side and play him with Darnell Nurse, and then Brandon Manning would have to hop into action and play alongside Matt Benning. If Pearson plays, then maybe you put Clefbaum and Pearson back together, Nurse and Bear would be a pairing, and Russell and Benning would be a pairing. Or you could leave Clefbaum and Bear together and put Nurse with Pearson. So we, we still don't totally know how this is going to shake down. We have to see how... Harrison does at practice tomorrow and then we'll know more about the lineup for Saturday. So that is uh, 
that's how all that is looking. But this is a pretty costly injury here for the Edmonton Oilers. Adam Larson out six to eight weeks with a fractured fibula. All right. The Oilers last night, some pretty good moments in the game. Uh, some tough moments. They got hemmed in a lot. And, and I mean, certainly the Larson play, one of them. And here's something that really stinks for the Oilers as well. Just I guess just rubs a little bit of salt in the wound. The Canucks had some extended pressure in the Oilers zone. The shot was taken. Larson blocked it. He's hobbled on the play. It looks like the Oilers are going to clear it. They don't, and Larson has to defend on one foot for the rest of the period. The Canucks don't score. Dave Tippett said that whole zone entry was offside and that if Vancouver would have scored, they would have challenged it, and Tippett thought the Oilers would have won the challenge on the offside challenge. So that kind of uh, adds a little insult to injury that Larson got, was hurt defending on a play that couldn't have resulted in a goal even if Vancouver would have scored. So that makes it a, a, a little bit tougher. The Oilers started the game well. The star players wound up carrying the team again. Certainly Mike Smith in, in goal was a, was a huge plus. He made a big difference in that game. The Oilers wound up getting out shot 33-22. Uh, Tanner Pearson, by the way, 11 shots on goal for the Vancouver Canucks. If you follow Corsi and that kind of stuff, that is even strength shot attempts. So that shots on goal blocked shots and shots that go wide expressed as a percentage of the total shots. Well, the Oilers were pretty bad in that regard. I was going off the website here, naturalstattrick.com. 39.3% was the Oilers' course. Basically, so so the Canucks would get a, would get 60.7%. It always adds up to 100. So that's not good for the Oilers. The high danger scoring chances, though, a little better, 6-6. I, I do think at least the Oilers weren't allowing tons of chances from the slot. They weren't allowing a lot of open men. The Oilers had their own good looks. I mean, Chase on had a couple of good opportunities. And and the big guys came through in the end. I, I mean, the, the three goal scorers for the Oilers, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Cassian, and Connor McDavid, three of the Oilers' best forwards from last season. And what is interesting about Cassian is he has really forced his way into the conversation about some of the most dangerous offensive players on the Oilers. Uh, he's the epitome of, a, of today's power forward would because... They're big and physical guys, and they can engage in the physical part of the game, but he also has the skill level to play with top players. Drysaddle will hit the line, open man, reach shot, score. Tie game, Zach Cassian, top right corner. It's 2-0 with 9.08 to play. Unique uh, talent, but he's got, I mean, you see his hands. There. His hands are really good. He makes good plays, and then he can shoot the puck when he gets a chance to shoot it. That's a, I mean, you, you look at that shot last night and his goal, that's a great shot. Great shot. So, hard pass. Yeah, hard pass. I mean, he can he can play with top players, and he can. He's a versatile player. He's. I still put him in the class of a role player, but there's different roles he can jump into and excel. All right. So there's uh, a little bit of update on uh, Zach Cassian as well. Good game for him. Excellent game by Drysaddle. Absolutely. Got a text here from Jeff who says, "Reed, I heard Oilers' uh, game last night was not a sellout." and that there are still hundreds of tickets available for the Kings on Saturday. Box office tickets, not secondary StubHub-type tickets. Can you confirm? What do you think this says about the organization? Uh, well, look, Jeff, all I can tell you is Bob Nicholson was on with me last night. He said last night's game was sold out. I'm not sure about the, the game Saturday. What do you think about this says about the organization? Jeff, come on. That's, you know the answer to that. 
the organ the the team has been horrible for a long time and some very loyal fans this season have decided not to spend money on going to games I, I mean i think it's pretty obvious what it says so come on Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, speaking of Oilers tickets, we're going to give away a pair. You're going to have to answer a trivia question live on air. We'll line up contestants. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Survivor forty six is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Two tickets to the Oilers and Kings on Saturday when we get back. Baseball playoffs, game one between the Cardinals and the Braves is tied at three in the bottom of the eighth. NFL Thursday night football about to get underway. Two three-and-one teams set to tangle in Seattle with the Seahawks hosting the Rams. I believe the uh, Seahawks are wearing their lime green, lime, lime green uh, kits today. Do you have that outfit, Kellen? I don't. <laughs> Not sure I'm a fan of those. Uh, they're pretty... Uh, they're pretty unique, I guess, will be my polite way of commenting on those uniforms. I usually don't care about uniforms unless th- I think they're really, really awesome or, or really, really bad. So I guess the fact that I'm commenting on, and the Seahawks are my favorite team, the fact that I'm commenting on their lime green uniforms, I guess I think they're really, really bad. It is 622. All right, we're giving away a couple of tickets to see the Oilers play the Kings on Saturday night. Uh, now, I'm going to give Paul a warning. He's the first guy up. Sometimes I, I, I've started asking the trivia question before I go to break, but I decided to do this. And it, there's, there's an audio clue, just like on Jeopardy. Sometimes there's an audio clue. So the question is simply going to be, who is this talking? When he's been on the power play, he's been in and around the net, whacking away. Paul, who was that talking? Uh, that is the Oilers head coach. Uh, well, I'm going to have to get you to be a little more specific. Um, now I'm on, I'm on the spot. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. It sucks going first. I'll give you yeah. five more seconds. Tippett? It's, it's not Dave Tippett. Mark, do you know who that was speaking? Uh, was that Todd McClellan? It was Todd McClellan. Now, why would I play Todd McClellan as the clue with the game coming up on Saturday? Hmm. I'm guessing because he's the head coach of the Kings. Mark, you should host your own radio show. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you that? I got a face for it. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> what did you think of the game last night? I thought it was good. I thought Smith was good. Uh, it was nice to you know, see them win the first game. So hopefully, they, uh, hopefully it's a good year for them. Work to do, but uh, but there always is. Uh, I, Smith was very encouraging. If they have, I mean, here's the thing: good goaltending gives you a chance every night. I, I, I think 
there were uh, you know some opportunities that I would have worried might have gone in last year and that one could have been uh, 4-2 in the third period instead of tied 2-2 tell you what I'm going to put you on hold I, I feel a little bad for the first caller because the, the first it's always a disadvantage for the first guy but good for you batting second and knocking it out of the park stay on the line okay that is Mark. We may have more tickets of the football and hockey variety to give away later on on the show as well. So keep listening for that. Morley Scott's going to check in from Hamilton, by the way, after the 6.30 news to get you ready for tomorrow's football game. Chris from Phoenix has called in. Chris, you're on with Reed. How come you are gracing me with yet another phone call? Because we're 1-0 and, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Dreisaitl uh, had an amazing game last night. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that everybody outside of Edmonton doesn't give this kid credit because he flies under the radar and he is just amazing. Like when we, when we essentially won the lottery, when we drafted him, I know we picked third, but we essentially won the lottery because he is just phenomenal. Um, and uh, Connor McDavid at 75 to 80% is still better than everybody in the league. So um, the question, uh, the comment I have is, um, Regarding Larson, it sucks what happened last night, but uh, I guarantee you if uh, you give that, that man the option and if you give any, any hockey player the option and tell them that this is what's going to happen to you if you do this, they, they probably still do that 100 times out of 100 because that's just the way that hockey players are wired. And, uh, you know, that's really all I have. And, and Mike Smith, uh, he had a great game. If Mike Smith plays like that, we're a playoff team right there. And uh, I give him the start uh, next game, and uh, let's go Oilers. Chris, nice to hear from you. That is Chris at 780 calling in from Phoenix. 780-496-0063. Murr, the Stamps guy, texting in. Mike Smith was awesome, but kind of a snoozer of a game. Leon is a god. That is from Murr, the Stamps guy, who's also a Calgary Flames fan. Uh, JT says, uh, hey, Reed, I've been a season seat holder since 2005. Regardless of the team's performance, we always sell out 80 to 90% every game. Some fans just always have to complain. Go to the stands in Florida, Arizona, and uh, you can see what it's like not to have fans. Some people, I tell you, that is the text coming in from, uh, from JT. Uh, Sherry says, seriously, buddy, he needs to give his head a shake. There are tens of thousands of Oilers fans. Not selling out a game doesn't automatically mean the team is crap. The economy plays a big role in what a person can or can't afford. I know season seat holders that have three quarters of the games in order to keep their tickets. Uh, when times are good, we go to at least a handful of games. Lately, it's been two. If I could be at every game, I certainly would be loyal to the oil signs off. Sherry. And uh, Jeff, who asked the original question, says, thanks for the answer, Reed. I think it says the organization is tone deaf to the difficult economic climate in the province. Fans would still like to go to the games, but with ticket prices rising higher than the cost of living, beers are $13.50, hamburgers $17. People are sick of being gouged. The poor team performance doesn't help. Uh, but I was driving at the uh, tone deafness to the economy. Thanks again for the on-air, Reed. Uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about this in the next half hour. I can only tell you what people tell me about possibly giving up their tickets, and most of the people have told me it's because the team's been so bad. for. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So long, but we can discuss further. NHL update in the second period. Tampa Bay leading the Panthers 2-1. 3-3 tie between the Jets and the Rangers. Wheeler has two for the Jets. Truba has scored against his old team. Panarin scoring for the Rangers as well. Sabres up 2-1 on the Penguins. Canadians and Hurricanes tied 2-2 in the first period. No score. Wild and Predators. Three games coming up later, including the Flames and the Avalanche. It is 3-3 after 8 Game one of the National League Division Series between the Cardinals and the Braves. 3-3 after 8. And uh, about two and a half minutes into Thursday Night Football, the Rams have an early field goal up 3-0 on the Seahawks. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, I want to get back to some texts uh, in a few minutes here, but I want to go to the Hammer from Hamilton, my good friend, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos here on 630 Chad. It is Morley Scott. Hey, Morley. Hey, Rito. How are you? I'm doing very well. I, I, I'm curious how the week has been, how the routine has felt for the Eskimos. You know, they stayed out there practicing at, at, at McMaster. What's it been like around the club? Uh, I think it's been okay. I think they've survived it, and, and uh, you know, they've, they've accomplished what they want to accomplish out of this. I think the reason they stayed out here is, is twofold, or maybe threefold. I think it's, it's financial, for starters. I think it's, uh, it's time, because they didn't want to give up a day traveling home from Ottawa and back to Hamilton. They'd give up two days that way, so they'd lose time uh, at practice and film study and all that. And three, it's for team bonding, and I think that's all been accomplished. They've, uh, I've seen guys, you know, when I've been out walking around in Hamilton, I've seen groups of five to six players walking around every time we go out for dinner we see groups of players out for dinner as well so uh, they're getting to spend more time with each other for sure the toughest thing about it i think is is uh off the practice field and the work they have to get done because they do a lot of film study they do a lot of classroom stuff so you got to make sure you got the hotel uh, ballrooms booked or the meeting rooms booked or whatever and uh, I tweeted out a picture a couple days ago Jovan Santos Knox he's sitting in the coffee shop watching video uh, in the hotel lobby he's doing his homework while he's you know having his breakfast and he's watching video on his laptop so uh, they're getting their work done but it hasn't been as easy as it is at home but it's you know you're on the road so things are supposed to be a little bit tougher on the road so I think they're happy with the way the week talking uh, the way the week went talking with Jason Moss today he said it was a pretty good week of practice and a pretty good week of getting things done so I think he's pretty happy with the, the decision to stay out here and the result and I guess we'll know for sure about 24 hours from now when uh, when the game's wrapping up you mentioned an interesting name there Javon Santos Knox <laughs> is he finally Ooh. going to play one of the free agent uh, signings from February 9th or whatever it was for the first time this season, he is on the roster. He is on the 46-man roster. But one of those players on the rosters will be a scratch, the healthy scratch. 
And I keep looking at this roster, and I can't think of anybody else who would get scratched other right now than Jovan Santos Knox. So I think uh, they've taken the next step with him. I think he's going to be, uh, he's on the roster, he's healthy. I don't think he's going to play in the game tomorrow night. We'll have to wait and see. I, I, we try to play this game all the time and figure out who's going to be the healthy scratch. And uh, we're usually right. And just looking at it this, this time around, I think it's going to be him. But it's the next step to get him back into the lineup. And the, other, the flip side of that is, Reed. Uh, I mean, Vontae Diggs has been spectacular this year. He's led the team in tackles the last two games that they've played. He had seven tackles last week against Ottawa. He had nine tackles against Hamilton uh, uh, two weeks ago. He's been playing very well, and there's no need to take him out of the lineup right now to put Javon Santos Knox in. So the Eskimos, if they want to play him, they're going to have to figure out a way to play him and a way to get him into the lineup. What's going on with Anthony Orange? Uh, don't know that what the injury is. Uh, we just know he's he's been at practice today, but he's been uh, this week. But he's been standing on the sidelines and he's been watching. And uh, yeah, I, I don't see a visible limp or uh, visible bandage or anything like that. So I'm not sure what it is. But uh, they put him on the sixth game. And the one thing we've learned is don't trust anything you think about the sixth game. Don't think it's six games because everybody does that now. They just put him on that uh, in case and, and they can get some cap relief possibly. But yeah, so uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait. We'll probably get a better look on that next week when we get home and are able to find out more about Anthony Orange. But uh, he won't be in the lineup uh, tomorrow night, which means that uh, Taekwon Glass will draw back in and play his, what, 11th game of the season. He's been a guy who's been in and out of the lineup and he's been the guy who's kind of filled in. He, Him and Josh Johnson have played all over the place in that uh, defensive backfield. Johnson's going to move over and play at the cornerback spot for Anthony Orange, and uh, Glass will play at the other side where Johnson was playing on the corner before. Hamilton's 11-3. and They have the best record in the league by two games over Calgary, Saskatchewan, and I guess two and a half games now over Winnipeg, who they beat quite decisively in Winnipeg last week. Their backup quarterback has stepped in and excelled. They have a good defense, and and you know if they if they don't have the best special, well, I think they have the most return touchdowns in the league, don't they? With yep, with they five, do. so that so they got yep. great returns. They crushed the Eskimos for a quarter and a half a couple of weeks ago, and then Edmonton controlled the game for the last two and a half quarters. The problem was the part of the game Hamilton dominated. They outscored Edmonton by more points than the part of the game the Eskimos dominated. I wonder how much of a factor that game is going to play into this one. I mean, it was an unusual game for it to swing so wildly. Has it made the Eskimos feel, you know, we can play with these guys? Let's focus on the part of the game we we dominated. Yeah, I've heard that a couple times this week. Uh, Players saying, look what we did two weeks ago when we got our heads straight. We played with them. We were as good as them in the second half, if not better, because they outscored them in the second half pretty dramatically. So uh, they really feel they can play with this team, and they, they have the confidence to do that fresh in their memory from, from just two weeks ago. Uh, the concern I have, Reed, is slow starts, right? I mean, in the two games that Logan Kilger has started, they've gotten off to slow starts against Hamilton two weeks ago and then against Ottawa last week. Eventually got it going, and you can do that and get a win against Ottawa, but you can't do that and get a win against Hamilton, which was 
was proven out. Uh, Neil, they almost did, and then it was the last walk-off field goal by uh, Hiralahu that that won it for the Ticats. So I'm I'm really looking for them to maybe get off to a better start tomorrow and keep the game closer longer in the first half and give them a chance to get going. It seems that with Logan Kilgore in the uh, running the offense, they've they've needed a warm-up period. They've needed to get themselves revved up a little bit through the first quarter into the second quarter before they've started to produce, you know, back-to-back -back first downs and, and produce uh, good drives and score some points. So they've got to they got to be better earlier on. They got to get some help from their defense early on. I mean, uh, t you can take shots at the offense for the for the late uh, the slow start two weeks ago. But man, that defense gave up what three touchdowns on four plays offensively in that uh, first quarter, and we're you know put them in a twenty-one nothing hole, and you, you don't come back from that, right? You, especially against a team that's uh, eleven and three. What's the forecast for tomorrow? Uh, it's going to be 13 degrees last I checked for the high with a mix of sun and clouds. So the rain has gone away. It's been a weird week here weather-wise. Uh, it was, uh, you know, just an average, you know, fall day on Monday. Tuesday, it was smoking hot. It was 30 degrees here Tuesday. Guys were, were melting on the practice field. And then late in the afternoon and in the early evening Tuesday, just a massive, massive thunder and rainstorm uh, went through the city of Hamilton. And then it's been raining off and on since then. The Eskimos practice in the rain a lot this week uh, on uh, on Wednesday and today and uh, tomorrow looks like it's going to clear up no rains in the forecast tomorrow which is uh, which is good news uh, it's going to be cool uh, 13's the high so I imagine it'll drop into single digits uh, by the time uh, game time rolls around and early into the evening but uh, it certainly will be uh, it will be uh, decent weather for football especially when you consider it's the first week of October Morley thanks for coming on great job I miss you look forward to seeing you next week all right, uh, keeping things clean back there in the bullpen for us when we get, we get back next week. I have not touched any of your stuff. Excellent. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Don't touch my tear sheets. <laughs> <laughs> That's Morley Scott. He and Dave Cavill will have the call tomorrow on 630. Well, I guess in the afternoon and into the evening, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and then the game will start at uh, at 5. Javon Santos Knox, he, uh, good season last year for Winnipeg. We haven't seen him, and Morley said we might not see him tomorrow. He could be the guy who winds up being the, the, the final scratch going into the game. All right. Uh, what do we have? Oh, this is fun, Kellen. We have a four-pack of Eskimos tickets to see them play Mike Riley and the BC Lions mm. on October 12th. Now, if the Eskimos lose tomorrow, and let's face it, i got to favor Hamilton, if BC beats Toronto on uh, Saturday, then BC is still alive to finish ahead of Edmonton. So it could be a game the Eskimos uh, could win to clinch a playoff spot next Saturday the 12th. We have a four-pack of tickets to send you to the Eskimos and the Lions on October 12th. I'll ask the trivia question now, and then I'll take you live after the break. What Eskimo is set to play his 200th CFL game tomorrow? 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. This is a fun trivia question. To get four tickets to see the Eskimos play the Lions on October 12th, that is next Saturday, which Eskimo is slated to play his 200th CFL game tomorrow? Brenda, you got to know this. You were the first one to call in. Awesome. Uh, Calvin McCarty. Calvin McCarty, a very popular Eskimo, is he not? For sure. 
Uh, have you been to any Eskimos games this season? I've only been to one. Was it a, one of the good ones or one of the bad ones? Uh, it was the one where we lost at the uh, last 30 seconds. Oh, the on one the against Hamilton. Goal. That, that was a heartbreaker. That, yeah. That was a heartbreaker. But it was still good. Turned out to be more exciting than it looked like it was uh, it was going to be. Brenda, thank you for listening, and thank you very much for tuning in. Stay on the line, okay? You bet. Thank you. And uh, like I said, we may have some more tickets lying around, maybe for the second hour of the show. But yes, Calvin McCarty, game number 200 tomorrow. 200 means, uh, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a lot, obviously, but in a young man's game, it means a lot. It's uh, obviously something that, that I didn't think I would... It's not something you think about when you first come in, uh, but to be able to get there and to be up there with those some of those names on those li- on the list, and to see those names around the Ring of Honor and on the wall and through the hallways of Eskimos, it, it means a lot. Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously longevity, uh, availability, uh, and and just being asked to do different things throughout your career. So. I don't think I would have, if I came in as just a straight tailback, I don't think I might have made 200 games at a tailback. So uh, just being versatile and being able to do different things within the roster, so definitely means a lot. Availability, productivity, though, comes into it, too. I mean, you you, got, you can't just be here. you got to yeah, be able to no produce, doubt. too. No right? doubt, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, some of the production, it's easier to see early in the career with the catching and running and all that stuff, but a lot of it now is, is blocking and, and being in certain places on certain plays that, you know, just affecting the play different and, and, and like you said, being available. Uh, but production is, is definitely up there. If you're not producing, it's a young man's game. And like I said, there are, it's, it's those guys' job to find somebody better than you to replace you every year. They can't do that, though, it seems. I mean, I've been watching you play for 10 years now, and it seems every year at training camp, guy comes along and says, this is the guy that's going to replace Calvin. Yeah. And then most times, Calvin takes him under his wing, teaches him everything he knows, and then when the regular season starts, Calvin's still the fullback. No doubt. I mean, it, it goes. some of that goes out to my coaches and players that I played with along the way, too. Uh, Coach Gibby, Coach Prenny. I came in, they... You know, when I first started playing some fullback, I had no clue what the steps were, what's this. I was laid off the ball, all these things. And and now all those little things that I was learning in that I didn't think would apply to me at that time, more so, you know, came in a huge factors in for me at this point in my career. So uh, you just staying open, man. You can't be a closed book. You got to keep absorbing. You can keep learning. You got to keep learning. Things change. Defenses change. Schemes change. Playbook definitely got a lot thicker. Uh so it's a lot more, I think, overall responsibility, but not never too much responsibility. Has there been an off season where you thought about retiring? Uh, I mean, it's uh, I've wanted to play football since I was six years old, man. And you, you do the math on it. There's only nine teams here, 32 in the state, so like 40 starting opportunities to play fullback. Think about universities, D1, D2, D3. 100-plus kids on teams, NAIA, Canadian, CIS ball. How many guys get replaced every season? There's not a lot. So as long as I'm, you know, body's there and the mind's there, I, I'm, I feel like the mind's going to always be there, though. Like, I'm always going to want to play. But I can't say there's been an off-season where I thought about not coming back, and especially once we got to that Grey Cup and had a chance to win the Grey Cup. And that motivation, I thought, maybe might have been that off-season. I didn't think about retiring, but... Finally getting there after nine seasons, 
like, yes, you did it. But now you want to do it again. Because I didn't know what I wanted to do with the Grey Cup. So I, different story now. I would, I have a plan now. But uh, it just keeps you coming back. There's always new levels to it, new things to learn, new different reasons. My family, my daughter being older now, and I want her to get a chance to experience it as like, a, you know, as a sec, third, second, third grader. So there's always different reasons, different factors that keep coming. Do you remember your first game? Yeah. What do you remember about it? We tied. Winnipeg. It wasn't the Mill Steagle game like previous year, but we tied. I remember walking off the field thinking like, that's it. I was done. We can go home. You know, we're not. That's it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a tie, Morley. 99, 200 games. Uh, yeah, might have double checked, but I'm pretty sure it was a tie. I remember just the fans and, man, I really I remember that first preseason game, the second preseason game to make the team. And I remember Matt Burt, like, tapped me on the back. And some of the old guys, Will Loftus, like, Cal, man, you're good. It's like, I know you guys, but I don't know you guys. I don't, I can't trust that you're saying that. Like, I know I got to go to work. Everybody has to go to work every day. It's a young man's game, like I said. So, but I, I just remember the, just being out there, man, and having fun. The Grey Cup game doesn't count. The 2015 Grey Cup game doesn't count in the 200 that you hit tonight. Yeah. But I'd imagine that's maybe your most memorable game in the CFL. For sure. hundred percent. Uh, that game, and somebody asked me about just a trip and road trip. It was the Moncton a few years back. Was that 2010? The first year in Moncton? Yeah, the first one. Yeah, 2010. That Moncton game was a good one. Even uh, the first 2008, playing my, having my first start against Winnipeg at home, I think was another big one. And then having another start a couple weeks later in B.C. where we won Provincial High School Championship. So there's been a lot of memorable ones, man. I think when I get a chance to sit down and collect some archive film I can uh, you know relive some of those memories but for now it's still horse blinders on and you know you don't look up you just take the next step and, and keep going so Calvin congratulations on 200 thanks for this uh, enjoy tonight yeah will do brother thank you that is Calvin McCarty with Morley Scott that's a really good interview McCarty a very popular player kind of a, a an unsung hero on the team goes out there and does the dirty work gets maybe a couple touches a game does what he can with the ball he's he's made a few great catches over the course of his career but i love what he said i'm a fullback and i want to play f- pro football and i have since i was six years old there's 32 nfl teams there's nine in the cfl so <laughs> there's not a lot of room for fullbacks so if he has a spot, he's going to fight to keep his. That was uh, awesome to hear from Calvin McCarty, 200th game tomorrow. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on southern classic spun with a modern twist, northchickenyeg.com online. Pete in Cold Lake texting in. He says, hey, Reed, what did you think of Nygaard's game? Seemed like he has the speed to compete in the league. I would agree. I thought he looked fast. I thought he had maybe two or three really effective shifts. He had a shot from the off wing in the second period. He got involved physically a couple of times. Uh, I thought he had a couple of shifts where his inexperience in the NHL showed, where he just wasn't in the right position for puck battles and, and got moved off the puck pretty easily. He's, you know, learning on the fly isn't going to be easy. 
I, I thought he had an okay game, is, is guess how I would put it, and, and certainly a better game than Gaetan Haas, who uh, only had four shifts. I got to be careful to say the F in shifts, Kellen. I don't know if you saw my Twitter account last night. I saw your apology. I didn't I, see the tweet. Though. I may have omitted that letter. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> to my own embarrassment. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. This texture says Smith plays net like a bull rider. Very exciting, but the riders usually get bucked. Too much risk. How can Koskinen compete? Two very different styles. Seems like too much to the defense to adjust for. Well, I think the defense will adjust. Uh, There were a couple moments yesterday where the wires might have got crossed a little bit. At some point this season, maybe even more than once, Mike Smith's going to give the puck away, and somebody's going to score into an empty net as a result. But, man, the the good side of it is what you saw last night. He helps get the puck up ice or at the very least clear it. And I, I, I think it is something the defense will get used to because I think they want to get used to it. I think they want that style of goaltender. Personally, I'd go back with Smith on Saturday and then I'd have the two goalies split the four games on the road trip. Uh, Seattle just got a touchdown, by the way. They got to convert it. It is 6-6 in the first quarter. We will break for the news inside sports on 630 Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.